The following is a Spirit Street production. You've discovered your link to the Power Cap Podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's the Power Cap Podcast. And now, let's go to the Spirit Street Studios. Here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Well, welcome to a Halloween edition of the Power Cat Podcast. And if you don't believe that our soundboard is haunted, you will after this. I'm Tim Fitzgerald, and in this podcast, we joke about a microphone only failing during our pregame podcast. And we checked all of our mics before recording. And then Riley Gates' microphone failed during the recording. We've amped up Riley's mic, but be warned that it sounds a little less than ideal. And it's too bad because this is a really strong episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Here is the podcast as we recorded it. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Podcast. A little bit distracted. We delayed the taping. Are we taping? There's no tape involved. I realize if you didn't tell people that it's delayed, they would just... It's just the podcast to them. It's not like this is live. I enjoy informing our listeners about the secrets of the podcast. They don't need to know how the sausage is made. Uh, it, we usually do it on Tuesday, but I got distracted by other things. And here we are on Wednesday morning. What I'm saying here, Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, and Zach Carlson, is this podcast is fresh out of the podcast oven. It's like going right from the podcasting magic machine right here to my left into the computer and up onto the website, which is actually the way it should be done all the time. But Which one's technically the magic machine, the soundboard or the recording? Uh, the recording thing. We could all just record through this handing around a microphone or two. Who wants to do that? But yeah, we got the nice soundboard that uh, screws up once in a while. It's about uh, two times a year on, and it's always the fourth channel, so it's always the Power Cat podcast. Oh, it's always a pregame podcast. It's always a week where we can't have that happen. You know, it's like, oh my, really? On top of everything else. And what's amazing is I've never caught it not working on that channel. And I check the channels every time, except when I don't check it, then it fails. But I've never caught it not working. Okay. Anyhow, what does work is a fridge wholesale liquor. They work every time. 60% 60% of the time. Go into the fridge. It's amazing. What, what's the Black Panther? What's the Sex Panther. Sex Panther. Black Panther. What, what is that from? That's a movie. That's, That's a superhero in the Marvel what? Cinematic Universe. Why? Why, Tim? Why? Explain this. Uh, it's the Sex Panther of liquor stores. I That could have really been good if I hadn't screwed up. The Sex Panther of Booze, the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Get into the fridge, corner of uh, that street and the other street. (laughs) (laughs) Claflin in Westport. My brain isn't working today. Oh, that was good. I actually really like to read it. My brain isn't functioning properly. Had to wake up earlier than normal, do a little Sirius XM Big 12 channel. That was good. They were good. They're slick. They are. They're, They're really good. I've now said it in my presets. For you to erase on this road trip. My pod, in my uh, my package on my car. Like I have XM, but I don't I don't have that in my package, so I'm really upset. 
You caught it too, didn't you, Zach? Oh yeah. Okay, good. Okay, that's good. Well, I I feel badly for your package, uh, and uh, but it's at what three seventy five, channel three seventy five. Yeah. So I I got going. Got a little radiation in me. Yeah, let's go, boys. Here we go. Got a little radiation. Ah, just lay there for fifteen minutes. Think of Europe. Did we say nice things about Tanner's? I'm doing it right now. Okay. And this segment's brought to you by Tanner's Bar and Grill. They don't have a radiation machine, but they have a fryer. Which is basically the same. Thing. Which is a lot like it. They zap that delicious food, <laughs> the mac and cheese bites. The onion rings. What else they put in there? Oh, tater tots. Tater. Oh, tater tots. Tater tots. I judge other human beings whether they're a dog and cat person. You know which one they are. You know where I stand on this, and what fried potato they like. Uh, maybe it's an overtime discussion, but I don't think that's fair. Why? Because they're both equally good, whereas cats and dogs are not equally good. Oh, you just heard all of our cat listeners. Hope Fritchin is it listening. I just said cats and dogs are not equally good. Well, I know where you were going with it. You don't know. Yeah, but you yourself said you know where you stand. I I just saying that if someone is a dog lover and a tot lover, I trust them more than other people. All right, well. I'm just saying a a dog lover that loves tots is the equal as a dog lover that loves fries. No. No, no, no. Uh, uh, because to to love tots is to love something elite, to appreciate what the commoner fry eaters don't get. Tots are fantastic. In fact, I don't know if you've seen my physique, but tots are a cornerstone food in my food pyramid. Onion rings are the best side of tanners. Wow, yeah, they're pretty good too. Anyhow. That's our Tanner's read, and that was our fridge read before that, and now we're going to talk about Kansas State sports because that's why you're listening to the PowerCat podcast. It's talk about Tanner's instead. That'd be pretty fun. It is Halloween. Better than talking about that game. Uh, for the 20th straight year, I am dressed as the naughty sports writer. Um, it never gets old to me either, and it's so funny why why it really never gets old to me now is uh, during the period where the Barstool National freaks were harassing the hell out of Sam Steele, who, and I've known Samantha since she was at Longhorn Network, and we follow each other on Twitter, and many many years ago, we had an interaction on it. Well, this is relevant to the story. We had an interaction on Twitter about uh, Halloween costumes, and I used the naughty sports writer joke. Well, when Barstool the freaks were harassing the hell out of her. They sifted through all of her mentions and tweets and found that I don't even know what this means. No, you don't, you idiot. Well, you don't know. I said, no, you don't. So, I mean, I can't imagine being the person that sifts through someone's tweets to harass them with it. Gotta be a pretty low life. Yep. Uh, I... So, case stayed at Oklahoma. Yeah, let's not talk about that. Do, do we have to talk about that in this podcast? Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, it's Halloween, and we're going to scare the crap out of you. <laughs> Here we go. Your questions from Wabash Station with Zach Carlson. From Solly43, when's the last time you've watched a K-State team that seemed to have no fire or passion in a game? Oh. It's clearly I, – I don't even remember the year. The, I mean, honestly, people want to, like, reference the 2015 Oklahoma game, 55 nothing. But no. I honestly felt like 
Yeah, that was an ugly game. But I just felt like at the end of the day, that was Joe Huebner against Baker Mayfield. Was Baker? Was that Baker? No. Dang it. I don't think so. Anyways, uh, that that was more just about talent level on the field. Trevor Knight. Trevor, Trevor Knight. Knight. That's who it was. Thank you. But it was a mismatch. And they it, didn't give up on the game. No, it just all snowballed. Hey, it was 55 nothing, Guys, it it would have been more than 55 points if Lincoln Riley hadn't called off the dogs. Yeah. What was the halftime score? 38-7? Yeah. Yeah, 38 Is that right? I don't remember. No. I, was, I was checked out at that point. But it was like 31. Yeah. I mean, they could have gone 60, 70 points if they wanted to. Easily. Easily. They went 92 yards in two plays. That's pretty good, by the way. Um, the one that it reminds me most of, and like I said, I can't quite place the year, but it was Ron Prince at Nebraska. 2008. Was it eight? Mm-hmm. It was – I've never seen anything like that. Ill-prepared, didn't want to be there, got their butts kicked, laid down. I was there. Well, good. So I'm going to blame you. How old were you, three? I would have been 12. Close enough. You know, I'm, I'm going to get deep here. Deep. I apologize. It was 2007. Oh, he's always lying to me. Oh. Hey, uh, I'm going to get deep here. When Bill Snyder said it in postgame in reference to Fritchin's question, I don't know if the ship's ever been in this shape before or whatever, I think he was talking about his team laying down like that. Talking about kind of losing the locker room a little bit. I mean, they're just not unified. They're not rowing in the same direction because even if you go back to 1989 when they were getting whooped those guys were playing hard for the purple you know his teams have always played hard they've always gone through the final whistle never give up they gave up man they gave up and they wanted to go home well we know that coach is starting to question their um, dedication commitment whatever their effort because of what Dalton Reisner was telling us about his big speech that he stood up and interrupted Bill Snyder during on Monday you know he said you know, I don't care who you are you don't question my team now you can argue whether or not Dalton Reisner should be interrupting Bill Snyder and telling him what to do and that's you know you know someone's uh, I guess that's up for debate but it shows that Coach Schneider is, is definitely calling them out on it, and clearly the team is not necessarily wanting to hear that, especially from their head coach. So, but it, but it's warranted. It's accurate. So, I I don't know what's going on in that locker room. I wish I could be in that locker room and and uh, you know try to figure out. I think it's bad right now. I think it's bad. I think some things fans think are okay aren't okay. So, onward. From Wildcat Wabash, everybody talked about how the odds were that Oklahoma would probably blow us out. So why are fans in shock when it actually happens? Is it just the reality of seeing it happen that is different than talking about it? I think it's because people thought, hey, we'll probably lose and we'll probably lose big, but at least we'll score some touchdowns, we'll have a little bit of of fight, and at the end of the day, you know, you can look at it and say – Oh, it wasn't that bad. You know, Oklahoma's just really good. It's more the sense of embarrassment. You know, when Oklahoma media members are coming up to me on the field and we're talking, you know, and they're saying, that's the worst Snyder team I've ever seen. That's the worst K-State team I've ever seen. And, And they've been around for more than 10 years at a time. You know it's bad. Um... 
I don't think anybody at Oklahoma expected it to be a close game, but I think they expected a fight out of K-State because that's what you always get. You always get a fighting K-State team. Heck, you got it last season. That's what's so shocking about it. So I think that's why people were more frustrated over the blowout. Yeah, they knew K-State was going to lose by a lot, but to not even, you know, to lose by 35 or so, um, you know, I'm just using 35 as a number. I know it wasn't a 35-point spread, but to lose by 35 and fight is a whole lot different than lose by 35 and you don't look like you want to be there. I mean, they are punting the ball on fourth down when they were down, like, 40 points. They were running the ball with tons of time left on the clock. Why aren't you throwing it and trying to get in the end zone? You're trying to get the heck out. You're managing the size of defeat. And Lincoln Riley helped you do that because he put in the subs and ran the ball and really called it off. I mean, most coaches would have left Kyler Murray in and made an enormous Heisman Trophy statement with seven touchdowns or something. And Lincoln Riley didn't do that. He pulled him out and sat him down and said, good job. He threw for three touchdowns for almost 400 yards. Hardly ran the ball, only ran it nine times. He could have run the ball with Kyler Murray and then and then said, "Hey, you know, we ran the ball midway into the you know, or midway into the third quarter. We started running the ball and ran it that way all the way to the end of the game. Yeah, but you did it with Kyler Murray and he went for 200 more yards. So it it was how they got to that score and what the score could have been, not exactly what the score was in the spread. A lot of people thought the spread was too high, and they covered it easily." From Monica, if the players aren't giving their all to win, why? Is there a dis- disconnect between coaches and players? Is there no team identity? Is the program not strong? Do the players know they can't compete with the Oklahomas of the world? I think you hit it all. Yeah, it's hard. I, good job. I mean, I think you did outline it. I think they know they don't have enough guns in their arsenal to keep up with a program like Oklahoma. Um, I don't think this group's completely bought into what, Bill Snyder wants to do, um, and you know that's. You can look at that and say, "Well, that sucks," but uh, part of it is, you know, disconnect with the current generation. He's always kept up on that, but I think now it's it slipped a little bit. Uh, there's just a lot of things. Plus, what is there to fight for? You know, I'm not. I'm not justifying. I'm not justifying them. Not no. Caring, not trying that hard, but. When you're three and five and you have four games left to win two and it doesn't look good, you know, you're, you're the underdog going into TCU, you're going to be the underdog against Texas Tech, you're going to be the underdog against Iowa State. It's like pride is the only thing you have left to fight for at this point. Embarrassed at Oklahoma, embarrassed at West Virginia, lost a really bad game at home to Mississippi State. I mean, your pride is already damaged. So I, don't, I guess I don't know what they're fighting for at this point. Because they're not going to a bowl game. They're, they're not going to win over the hearts of people again. It's I guess thinking in the mind of a player, it's very tough to keep a positive head right now and, and bring that effort over. They could go to a bowl game, but this weekend is the ultimate litmus test of where this team's at. If they don't come out and want to open up a can of whoop-ass on TCU, a team that just lost to Kansas, then we know where they're at. They're done. They're done. They're just playing out the string, and that, that'll be a shame. I think they'll be up for Kansas because there's a lot of personal pride there, but I think it's big trouble. 
from AZ Cat 5 Has our offense become too bland? It seems other teams are more creative and don't always have to rely on athletes to get separation. The Coach Snyder that reinvented his offense for Michael Bishop and then reinvented his offense for the skill set of his offensive players and whatever quarterback is on hand. I mean, they didn't run the quarterback run game a ton with Carson Kaufman. They just didn't. I mean, he, well, that wasn't his strength. So they, th- they found throwing things that worked for him. And here we are. Now it's this is what we do. You guys got to do it. I knew it was going to be interesting when he said Skylar Thompson and and Alex Delton were pretty much the same quarterback because they're not. We all knew that. Now, can they both run and throw? Yeah, but there's some very clear differences in their strengths. One's more of a runner, one's more of a thrower, and he's trying to make them into the same quarterback. Although now they've kind of backed off the quarterback run game, but I think that's Andre Coleman a little bit. Bottom line, one of my keys to the game against Oklahoma was open it up, do some stuff, have fun. What do you got to lose? Literally, you're going to lose this game unless something radical happens. Just go do it. What are you saving stuff for at this point? I mean, what in the world? You're not going to play for a Big 12 title anytime soon. You're not going to play for a national championship uh, in the near future, Under certainly not under this coaching staff. It's become clear. They can't get the level of talent you need. They needed back in even uh, 2012 to compete at that level. Just go have fun, man. Bill Snyder used to be, I mean, he ran a fumble ruski. He's run all kinds of, you talk about great trick plays and different formations and stuff. That was Bill Snyder. But imagine a teeter-totter. And on one side is talent and it's light. And the other side is creative offense. And that evened things out. And as the talent got more and more, got heavier, the creativity went lighter and went up. It it was like he's less creative now, but he has a talent just to beat people. Well, now the talent's gone back the other direction, and he's not opening it up. He forgot what got him here, which was being creative when he was the underdog, and now he thinks he can still line up and beat opposing teams with the players he has, even though they're not good enough to do it in games like this. He went to Nebraska and almost won with one-third of the talent of Nebraska. Because he out-schemed him, he out-foxed him, he he out-thought him, and now it's like, this is what we do. We're going to go do this. We're going to play football, and uh, I'm going to coach you so well that you are going to become the next Jordy Nelson, and you are going to become the next B.J. Fenney, and all these walk-ons are going to become NFL superstars. It just doesn't work that way. From GT Cat with four regular seasons left and the new redshirt rule on top of depth issues, do you see the coaching staff playing any freshmen or other faces we haven't seen yet in the final four games? They should. I mean, there's no reason that they shouldn't um, because it's going to, you know, why not utilize that rule? But I don't think they're going to, really. Um, they're not going to play John Holcomb. They're not. Malik Knowles is the only guy that I can definitively say will be on the field, and he's already used, what, two games? So, is it three? Two. He's at two. two. With four to go. So, I think they'll only play him in two more games. If if they burn Malik Knowles' red shirt, I will have some questions. 
Because that is stupid. That's yeah. The dumbest thing they can do. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I bet you they play them at TCU, and if they lose that game, they'll play them against Kansas. Uh, and then they'll have to shut them down. But they're going to make sure they beat Kansas. They're going to they're gonna make sure they win one of these next two. The problem is if they play him against Kansas and he goes off or, you know, he catches a touchdown or something and you have four wins. I know. Then Bill Snyder goes, oh, well, I'm, it's far as to sit. I know. I know. He's a freshman. I just I would like to see them utilize the rule because I think it would be good. Um, and at this point, you have nothing left. To, I, I feel confident saying this team's not going to bowl game. But I don't think they're going to because they're either going to look at the young guys that are um, currently on the field, you know, sophomores and juniors, and say I can get them that much more experience, or they're going to look at guys like Dalton Reisner, uh, Alex Barnes, et cetera, and they're going to say these are the guys that, you know, they've earned it, they're older, they took us throughout the year, let's let them close it out. They need to do it in the back end of the defense. Wayne Jones needs to play. Other freshmen need to play. I mean, they're running out of bodies. Here you go. The NCAA is giving you a way to supplement your – your depth and and not burn off anyone, you know, in terms of eligibility. We'll we'll see. We'll see if the old dog can learn a new trick. From Canelio, does this season's downfall feel similar to the 2005 season? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, maybe 04. I mean, 04 was the, the you know they dropped off significantly and suddenly, and then 05 backed it up. Uh, but in some ways, it feels all of that wrapped into one. Both seasons wrapped into one, just because. I mean, he's the whole premise of him coming back doesn't afford him multiple bad seasons. You know, I someone needs to play the tape for him why he came back. He wanted to calm the waters and leave the program in a better position for his successor. Well, the waters aren't calm. And the program's not going to be in a better position. Right now, if if he ends it this season, the program will essentially be where it was when he picked it up from Ron Prince. That was never the plan. It was never the plan. And he's just got himself caught up into, I can keep going. I can coach another year. I can have a positive impact. I can do this. Uh, I can get this team back to the Big 12 championship. I can, and notice the word. That starts every sentence. It's become kind of about Bill Snyder, not about K-State football. And it's unfortunate to say. It's unfortunate to see, but it really is what happened here. Now it's not become about the football family. It's become about the Snyder family and passing it on to Sean, which isn't going to happen. And it's unfortunate. It's just become about, uh, I'll see, I'll talk to my family, and if I can impact positively in young people's lives. And I'm like, well, are you? Does, does losing positively impact young lives. I don't see that. He saw he saw the price paid on K-State football players that he inherited and how unwinding the damage of losing did. Now, granted, losing was much worse and much more humiliating back then, but I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. I, I, I'm, I've written a lot of things, and I always, I'm always – very conscious of making sure I can back it up, even if it's proven wrong, that at the time I wrote this, this was exactly what was going on or what I believed. And I I do not flinch about writing about Bill Snyder, it's time to retire. I don't hesitate on that. I didn't want to write it. I was hoping I didn't have to write it, that he would come to the conclusion. But finally, 
I was like, somebody in the room needs to say it. Dad, we're taking away the car keys. You can't drive the vehicle anymore. Someone needs to say it. And I didn't want it to be me, but man, it it doesn't mean you dislike the guy. It doesn't mean you're turning on him. It means you love him and you don't want him to see him do something here that is going to damage how people remember. So I, it's time. It's just time. And I find it shameful that not enough people are willing to say it. And I'm sorry that I didn't say it sooner. I'm just end it there. I think I don't. But. Okay, that's the first uh, half of the Powercat podcast. And we will pick this up where we left off in the second half of the Powercat podcast. And we are brought to you by The Fridge at Tanner's there. And we got a whole different sponsor in the second half. I don't know if you know that about us, but we, every half has a different sponsor. There's only two halves in the overtime. Anyhow, we'll be back after this. The Power Cat Podcast continues shortly. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus their back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. We now return to the Power Cat Podcast. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Wow, that got heavy at the end. I didn't know you were going to go there. I just went there. And we have more questions about it. And we stepped all over a question from Canelio, who asked if they were going to win another game. Or he doesn't think so. I think they'll beat KU. You don't have to tell him that. I need to know that we included his question, and I crapped all over it with my rant. Well, he asked the question that led you to ranting. But he had another question follow-up? Yeah, he had a follow-up. I don't listen to you, Zach. Hey, uh, we're brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. They're great people. Um, I wonder, I don't know, but I bet you they got some spooktacular specials today. I don't know. Is there like a pumpkin spice rum chata? I don't know. I know this. I got plenty of fall beers in there. A lot of the pumpkin crap. Excuse me. This is an advertiser. A lot of the pumpkin deliciousness in there. uh, Go into the fridge. Check them out. Ask for the holiday specials. Any holiday flavors. One's probably uh, like flavored with reindeer meat. I don't know. I don't know what they have. They've got a thousand different things. How am I supposed to know? I'm so torn because like, I want to drink more Oktoberfests because it's so kind of that time of year. 
but also I'm seeing all these Christmas beers that are rolling out now, and I'm like, that kind of sounds good. Why don't they refer to that as like Jesus Fest? I mean, mean Oktoberfest. I feel like marketing would really pay off here. <laughs> like, they call it Thanksgiving Turkey Fest. Exactly. Add a little fest in there. Spooky Fest. Uh, the second half is brought to you by Wahoo Fire and Ice Grill. They're dressed up every day like it's Halloween as awesome people. Get in to see Mark, Austin, Megan, everyone down there at Wahoo, they're fantastic, fantastic food, fantastic drinks, fantastic location. Uh, I think it's fantastic, if you couldn't tell. Here we go, second half of the Powercat Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Here's MC Zach. A couple questions from I Like Pickles Cat and Arhar about your column. Arhar. I like it. Yeah. Uh, About your column and what was the final straw and how long have you wanted to write it and... Uh, Arhar asks, what are the odds that Snyder will read the article? I'm confident he's read it. I don't know why. I mean, he he's more plugged into this stuff than he plays off. Uh, final straw was the look on his face. Honestly, I don't think I would. Because, you know, just to clarify, I'm not going on the road this year because of my health and trying to preserve energy. So it, it's been odd for me not to be in these post-game press conferences because you do – it's not just about the words that are spoken. It's kind of how – yeah. And and really, I don't know that I would have written it until I saw the video of him and his body language and the way he phrased things and the just the look. He looked as defeated as he did in the, after the 98 championship game. And I hadn't seen that since then. And I knew this was different. Look, uh, I... I've, I think we've all thought that he should retire for a long time. But there's a sense about Bill Snyder, if you don't know this about Coach, he's the world's most stubborn man. Gene Taylor appeared on John Kurtz's local radio show this week and you know said, we look forward to having him as our coach, da-da-da-da-da. And people read way too much into that. I, I've never had a pet mule or a working donkey But I suspect to get it to do what you want, pushing and pulling it, isn't going to help. And so I've always had this sense, no matter how hard I push, it's not going to matter. And I think Gene Taylor knows that. If you push Bill Snyder, he's going to push back. If you pull Bill Snyder, try to pull him into retirement, he's going to pull back. And so he's waiting for him to come to the conclusion on his own, which is probably right. But I finally decided... He's not going to come to this conclusion unless someone says, it's time, man. So, and not just someone, but I, he and I have a good relationship. We've gone back 20-plus years, 30 years. We, we have mutual respect, and I thought it wasn't like someone coming in from outside and attacking him. I tried to write it from a perspective of respect and honoring what he's done and what he means. But also, if you love this child, you have to let it go on in life with someone else. Even though Ron Prince screwed it up, the next guy will almost assuredly not be Ron Prince because Gene Taylor will hire better than that. I truly believe that. This is why Gene Taylor was hired. He's the guy to do it. Let's let him do it. 
from Wagcat. How can a man as brilliant as Bill Snyder make such a large miscalculation about recruiting? Because it, the way he recruits worked so well in the 90s. You know, his recruiting philosophy for building that 97, 98, 99, that, that stretch where they were so good, that's what worked then. And when you have a team that competes for a national championship and plays for Big 12 championships consistently, you, you get the impression that this is how it's done. This is how everybody should do it. And that's how you should have done it then. However, over time, and honestly, it kind of coincides with the, day, with the time that he stepped away, recruiting changed. And he got by with Colin Klein in 2012. That was a total, and, and he didn't recruit Colin Klein. No. That. But again, it wasn't a class that blew anybody away. They didn't recruit a big four or five star guy or anything like that. And yet, worked. And so, uh, up until the last few years, K State's just gotten by with their style of recruiting. They haven't been bad. Had just enough to do it. This year, it's showing. And I mean this in the nicest way possible. I don't think he wants to accept that things are different and he has to change. It's really hard for a younger generation to understand this analogy um, because you guys have grown up in an atmosphere where things change quickly. Technology and science and, you know, just erupt and become accepted. You know, and I see him as the, the small town doc who has saved lives and birthed a lot of people and been a fabric of the community and <clears throat> meant so much to everyone. But it's, you know, I don't know, the 1970s, and all of a sudden science is offering him a bunch of new tools to, you know, treat patients. And instead of really adapting to that, he's like, what I'm doing is fine. I don't, I mean, this is fine. I don't. You know, I, and it took him for a while to get a smartphone. And he played with Twitter, but he only proved one thing to me. He absolutely doesn't get the power and importance of social media to the generation he's recruiting to play. Now, they've got a social media person now. Who does They've done a much better job in that area over the last couple of years. <laughs> But I'm not saying he's not getting recruits because he's not on Twitter. I'm saying he's not getting recruits because he doesn't get the fundamental underpinnings of this generation and how they work. And they are, I'm a, this will make some people mad. They're even more about flash and substance. They just are. The shiny new thing is important to this generation. The cool game, the cool uniform, the cool new app, the cool new phone. It's important. And being the traditional Penn State, Nebraska, Michigan, well, that works only if you're Penn State, Nebraska, or Michigan. It doesn't work if you're Kansas State. You're not the shiny new thing, and you've got to find a way to sell yourself. Uh, and and you're not the established program that you would hope to be. So just 
the next coach will hire an entire crew of recruiting people and, you know, just just social media team. It won't be a person. It'll be a team. If they're recruiting someone, they're going to be following them, and they'll know exactly the person they're getting. There's always the joke that Bill Snyder would ask the janitor about about a young man and find out the truth about him, not what they want him to told, <clears throat> not what you know people wanted to tell him. Well, social media will tell you everything you need to know. You don't need to ask the janitor; just ask the kid himself, and here he is revealing his character right here on social media. So there we go. I, he's just he's seventy nine. He's seventy nine. I have always kept up with technology and I'm still finding myself like, you gotta be kidding. How fast does this crap move? That's kind of new tool on Photoshop. Well, I'm not I'm good at Photoshop, but I'm not a wizard. Photoshop I I've always Photoshop's this complex piece of machinery that you can drive thirty miles to church or thirty miles an hour to church. And that's pretty much what I've done with it in the past. Just enough to get by laying out a magazine and doing other stuff. From I Like Pickles Cat, for those of us too young to remember, what was Bill's demeanor like in 2004 and 2005? Does it remind you of what we saw on Saturday? Not, no, not sad. Uh, not, you know, no, I, I, I feel like he, for the first time, he feels like he's losing the team. He's never lost a team. The 04 and 05, they just weren't very good. They had some misfortune. I mean, yeah, I, Again, in 2003, he had a really bad experience at the Fiesta Bowl, and it knocked him off course with recruiting. And the way he's recruited, every year is important. You know, he'd go get enough junior college guys to help him out the next year. He'd get enough talent in to stock the cupboard for future years. And then everything stopped after 03 and the recruiting class fell off the end of the table. They didn't get enough help. And then it just parlayed in the next couple of years. And what Ron Prince picked up was a team without much talent. He did a good job stocking talent. <clears throat> Bill Snyder will have inherited a team from Ron Prince with a lot more talent than he's right now going to leave the next guy. If he retires, sad, but true. Now, will they be as well coached and prepared? Probably not, but more talented, uh, yeah, Ron Prince left him some dudes. From Purple Powerhouse, obviously there are a ton of stories and rumors going around this week about the future of Bill Snyder, the future of the football program, and if Bill does retire, who might replace him? Um, my question is, how is Joe Fan supposed to separate the crap rumors from the legit info? I I don't know. I mean, there especially in this town, man. There's so many. I get texts. We're hearing this. I'm like, oh, I don't know where you're hearing that from. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a perfect example. I mean, I got a text from my grandma yesterday, and it was like a screenshot of a Facebook post on the on some K State fan page, and someone had posted the K State fan Facebook page. Like, I heard there's going to be um, a press conference today to announce Coach Schneider's retirement. And I'm thinking, where did that come from? And then it hit me. Someone posted on our message board, what are the chances of a, of a press conference this Monday or Tuesday? Boom, there it is. Yep. Word gets twisted so well, so quickly. So when someone posts that they heard Coach Snyder could be retiring, it quickly goes down the line to 
oh, Coach Snyder is going to retire someone hurt. And then their, their brother reads that same post. Well, I'm being told this. And look, I, I detailed a, or I wrote a very detailed post in one of the threads on our board. Uh, and, and basically, what I put in there was hey, look, nobody's reported anything yet. There's no truth officially to the rumors that he has decided on his retirement. I mean, he may have, but there's not news out there about it. At this point, it's all speculation. At this point, anybody who replaces him is all speculation. And frankly, until an announcement comes or someone reports it that he's done, any names up in the middle of it all are pure speculation. Because there's no sense in saying that K-State is talking to people about a job that isn't I've always put up the wall that I'm not going to really discuss replacements until, you know, and yeah, Jim Levitt's out there. That's who I like. Brent Venable's out there. You know, we can find out maybe if he ever wants to be a head coach in this process. Um, you know, I like Seth Latrell a lot. There's a lot of guys out there who, <clears throat> frankly, are, this is not a bad time to try to hire. There's some young guys, you know. Troy's got a hell of a coach. Appalachian State's got a hell of a coach. A bunch of guys that are going to be at Division One level. You know, my super sleeper is Ricky Ronnie at at uh, Penn State. Maybe a little too early first year as offense coordinator. But there's a reason why Bill Snyder kept him as the only Ron Prince hire to stay on. Because that toots the real deal. Maybe a little early for him, but <clears throat> if you really wanted, if you wanted a Lincoln Riley something. So you look at Lincoln Riley's resume, and you're like, really? Head coach at Oklahoma? Ricky Ronnie be my guy. You talk about a compromise candidate, you know, outside of the Snyder tree, but was allowed to hang on to a limb for one year before he went, James, went with James Franklin, his old boss, to uh, Vanderbilt. When the time comes, whether it's tomorrow, in a week, in two years, we will immediately have a hot board of candidates. We have in our admin at all times an evolving hot board, just like an athletics director probably has a list. We have all everything lined up there to you know who we believe are legitimate candidates. And it's not just throwing crap at the wall. It's we've researched a lot of people's background to see you know where their roads have intersected. Um, Ryan Wallace has done a great work on that. Uh, so when it comes, we'll have a full list. Right now, I think that list might be at 17. So it's it's inclusive and in-depth. If we build a big enough list, we're bound to hit it. We didn't get Bruce Weber because I literally remember trying to cut the list to 10 and saying, oh, they'd never hire Bruce Weber. We always needed to factor in the John Curry factor, and we didn't do it. Our bad. From Solly43, it's a weird feeling even talking about Snyder being gone. I know I'll have a lot of emotions when it's finally announced. Can you guys discuss your thoughts and feelings surrounding this situation right now? It's weird. Um, personally, no, because Fitz and I, you know, we all, and Zach too, we all have different backgrounds with where our lives kind of began with Coach Snyder and everything like that. And, you know, for me, being born in 96, like literally I've only known Bill Snyder football first off and I've known the good years for the majority of the time. Um, and then also the last four years being in the position I'm in, knowing, you know, two good years and then two kind of meh years. It's just, it's really weird to me because it's a coach that I grew up 
you know, as a quote fan of, and then I've kind of transitioned into this role um, now to the point where people are tweeting to me, Snyder's got to go. He's ruining the program. Ask him why he doesn't. Why, ask him why he wants to ruin K-State football. Things like that. Getting those tweets, you know, I, I mean, not that I don't expect it. That's what happens with sports and social media, but it's just kind of weird for me because I always listen to the podcast forever before I got on it, and you know, Fitz would always say the whole I don't want to see him stay too long to the point where people wish him out the door. And so I, I knew that scenario was possible, but I didn't think we'd ever see it. And so it's just weird to see it kind of happening. I don't take it lightly at all. I have some Facebook person, man, Facebook and Twitter are different worlds. It's just amazing. Said, I, I don't want to see the media trying to run him off. And that's not at all what I, I, I want him to transition into other things. I want him to mentor all student athletes and be heavily involved in leadership studies. He has gifts to give beyond football. Um, and I think some people are just being selfish because they want him to stay on because maybe they'll be great again. And I certainly don't buy into he can stay as long as he wants because he built it. And, you know, if he wants to burn down the house, fine. People believe that. I find it troubling. But um, but to understand how seriously I take this calling for his retirement, understand this. I wouldn't have the vehicle to call for his retirement unless he'd come to K-State. There would be no Pyrocat Illustrated, no GoPyrocat.com, none of it. Because K-State would be in the Missouri Valley. In all likelihood, he was the right man at the exact right time, given just enough tools to be successful, um, starting with the Veneer family, and then it snowballed, and he was continued to be the right man. And, and the biggest thing that happened, he stayed. He turned down other jobs. So everything I have professionally right now, I'd be doing something different. I came real close to becoming a columnist in Portland, Maine at one point before this. And, you know, maybe that something else would have come up that Zach's got to look at this. Something else would have come up and I would have been, you know, a columnist in traditional newspaper and followed that path. Everything I've done in the last, since 1995, my career is entirely because of Bill Snyder. So never think that I take what I write about him lightly. I understand the gravity and weight of the words I write about him more than anyone else. I was kind of hoping to read a column from Portland, Maine by you. God, it would be cold. What a cool town, though. Yeah, 92? 93? Somewhere in there. Uh, they needed a columnist. I was kind of their choice. Um, I came in, interviewed, and, and when I landed, the sports editor said, well, we got a problem. Always what you want to hear when you land for a job interview. They were a union shop, and layoffs were pending, and it's unions are last in, first out. So he was facing the, the problem, I could hire you as my columnist, and then we have layoffs, and you're the first one to go, and I don't have a columnist. So he hired from within. They never had layoffs. Um, but it, to understand why I was interested, Portland, Maine is like, I, I don't know the context here. Uh, You're a lobster guy. 
I'm trying to think of, of what to compare it to, but Portland covers Boston sports. That's what I was getting ready to ask. Yeah. How are you going to colonize about in Portland, Maine? Yeah, I would, he said you almost would want to live in Boston because you will be covering all of that stuff. Portland's lobsters and lighthouses. It was beautiful, man. And boat shoes. But yeah, I'm not a winter person. I like civilization. Portland's a nice town. Uh, but anyhow, so covering Boston sports would have been very interesting. I I envy anyone who gets to cover Boston sports, let alone write columns about that. Um, there's a hidden meaning to that. From, uh, also from Solly43, I believe this will be Snyder's final year, whether it be his decision or outside influences. Do you believe it'd be the right move to announce his retirement before the season ends? Yeah. I do. I do. I, but before a home game, I don't think anything's going to happen this week. Everyone's like, he's going to announce this week. I'm like, no, I don't think so. It just doesn't. I could see win or lose at TCU. The KU game and that stretch become important. You need to win or two or three of those to get to a bowl. I could almost see it be leading up to the Kansas game. I wish he would come out and do it. And, you know, I was saying this on the radio the other day. If he would just come out and say, I've decided this is going to be my last season. Why? Because forever I've always said that I'm going to stay here as long as I'm having a positive impact on, you know, young people, the program. I said, wait, that speech that mm-hmm. he gives every time. If he would just come out and say that and say, I've done an assessment, and I don't feel I'm making a positive impact anymore. Nobody would care if this team went three and nine, four and eight, five and seven. They wouldn't care. I don't think they'd be frustrated that they didn't make a bowl, but they wouldn't be taking their anger out on Bill Snyder. They wouldn't be saying, "Coach is the reason we suck." They'd be saying, "You know, this is it. Had a good run, great memories, and everything like that." And Coach has come to the conclusion that he is not able to do it anymore. Once he makes a decision, a lot of people will just move on. But he can't just keep staying. He can't just completely burn down the house he built. And, and, yeah, it just doesn't work that way. From Yao Power, based on what you saw Saturday, is there any doubt in your mind that Bill Snyder will not be the head coach for Kansas State in 2019? Yep. I have a little bit of doubt. Oh, absolute doubt. The man... Yeah, I mean, quitting isn't. That's it's up on the board. Don't quit. Never give up. Don't retire again. That's number seventeen. Remember what happened last time. Remember what happened last time. You suck at being retired. Those are those are his personal goals. You don't want to be the governor. Yeah, you don't want to be the governor. But, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, there's been. What will he do after retirement? I heard an interesting concept that, you know, they eventually want to endow things at the leadership studies in his name, and that will happen. The money will show up as soon as he retires to get that endowment, whatever the price tag is. But there's been a thought that he might have an office in that building. I think that's brilliant. That puts him on campus. That puts him around students all the time because he does have really positive messages uh, for young people on how to go about things. Those 16 goals, while probably overlapping and a little bit too long, do work. They do. You just keep going. You know, I could apply all those to my cancer treatments. You know, you just never give up. You keep going. Have some discipline. All those things. 
God, I can't list the 16 goals. I'm embarrassed. I, I think one of them is uh, eat candy. Deal. I'm in. What number? Uh, I don't know because I had the sugar shakes before I read the list. <laughs> From Arhar, if you were a fly on the wall in Snyder's office, what would you hear in a conversation between Gene and Bill about Coach stepping down? How could Taylor help set up a gracious departure for Snyder? I don't want to be in Gene Taylor's shoes right now. I mean, there. Um, it's not just about being a fly on the wall. It'd be about being a fly on the wall with ability to concentrate. They don't strike me as as insects that really can focus very well. They just, you know, I I, I like the idea of being a fly on the wall, but I, I think the fly is probably thinking, "Boy, I wish I had some poop to sit on." You know, that's probably what the fly is thinking. Not, "Hey, what are these humans talking about?" Anyhow, um, I've long thought this. They need to set up something. He should co-teach a class. You know, you don't want him doing planning and all that, but he should be involved in teaching a leadership class. I, I also think that uh, he should have a weekly, you know, input to student athletes in some form. Um, all student athletes. He he can reach across all sports now. Once so you this is what you this is what you propose to him, right? Oh, okay, I understand that. Is that what the question yeah, is? Yeah, yeah, sorry, I, I thought you were going. What did we envision? Yeah, what would you hear in a conversation? There was more to that question, though. Then how could Taylor help set up a gracious departure? Right, yeah. right. There you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think you propose all these things to him, but here's my off the wall thing I think K-State needs to do with him um, that would be really cool. Have you have you ever seen on Facebook, and I haven't ever purchased one, although I've strongly looked at some of them, and it's almost all with the arts. I know Adam Carolla has one, a master class for podcasting that I think I might purchase at some point in the summer just to kind of learn. But there's master classes on Ron Howard's Dunham. There's a master class, David Mamet, I think that's his name, writing. It's almost all creative endeavors, but not entirely. I get pushed them a lot on Facebook probably because of my background. Um, they're very cool. Master class on the Bill Snyder needs to do a master class on offensive football. I mean, those are the type of things. Anyone wants to invest in this, this is my newest idea. Master classes and coaching. The same idea, but it's just coaching, be it volleyball. Cliff Revelto certainly with track and field, jumping. But they, it should start with Bill Snyder and a master class on offensive football and Bob Stoops a master class on defensive football at the college level. That's, I think doing something like that, passing on his knowledge uh, in the digital age would be important to him and, and uh, important to anyone that wants to coach football. He, he knows more about offensive football uh, than anyone, even though he doesn't apply it as much as we'd hope he would. But he revolutionized the sport. He ran five wide before anyone was running five wide. Uh, and then when he got the special guy, he went to the, a quarterback run game that nobody had ever done it in the way he did it. Now everyone kind of does it. From Garcat12761, what is your intuition about Gene Taylor's ability to make a successful hire for our next head football coach? That's not a fair question at this point. 
because obviously we haven't seen him. I mean, we've seen him hire a baseball coach, but we haven't seen the baseball team in full action. I think he's... And, and that's different. Baseball, I mean... Right, exactly. It's not football by any means. I think he's able to... I, I think he strikes me as someone that can make a, a wise hire um, when it comes to the job, but... You know, to, to sit here and ask me, does Gene Taylor have what it takes to hire Brent Venables? Does Gene Taylor have what it takes to hire the next, uh, you know, Davos Sweeney? Whatever. I don't know the answer to that. You don't know the answer to that. Nobody knows the answer to that because we need to see him hire a football coach at the Power 5 Division One level before we go making any judgments about his ability to hire football coaches. And there's a lot of luck involved. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can list a number of guys that were surefire hires by Program X. I guarantee when Oklahoma hired Lincoln Riley, they weren't. I mean, yes, they may have thought, like, hey, he could be the next guy. They didn't envision this. Right. I mean, like Rich Rodriguez, he seemed like a surefire hire by Michigan out of West Virginia, and he wasn't. So there's a lot of things going there. One thing he said to me, it's going to be about a cultural fit uh, and a fit having the personality type that can thrive and coach in the shadow of a legend. Got it. I mean, that's... He's right. Riley's right in the fact you don't know what he's going to do at the Division 1A slash FBS level. But, guys, he had an incredibly successful coach at North Dakota and Craig Bull, who went to Wyoming, and he went and promoted from within on that case, Chris Kleinman, and they're better now than they were. So I, I think he's got a good eye for for talent. And... The, and Hiring a baseball coach is different. That's a whole different sport. It's a whole different context of how you go about coaching in that. But football, he's plugged in. This is why he was hired. I'll say this. There's no sure thing, but I feel a hell of a lot better about him doing the hire than I did John Curry. Because it's a football coach. John Curry has always hired people that would be non-combative with him and weren't ultra a type personalities deb patterson frank martin bill snyder doesn't work for john curry it's about about him how is it going to interact with me gene taylor won't care he'll hire an asshole if he has to if he's the right guy and he's good to his kids he'll hire honestly a gary patterson if he's available guy's a jerk a lot of times but he's a great football coach who puts out great teams yeah we're going to add him into the hot board maybe tcu will get tired of him it, it's Patterson? Yeah. We're gonna, I, I would love it if they hired him. Like, I told you so. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I told you so. But uh, yeah, I have a lot of trust in him. Uh, he's overlapped with a lot of people through his career. And there'll be when you'll be, see that hot board, you'll have a lot of WTF candidates on there. That There's a reason why they're on there. Uh, this is the. Uh, did I ask about Brent Venables? No. Okay, that's the next question from Cornelio. <laughs> if this program went out and hired the Brent, the Brent Venables, I, I don't know if that's an oh, A no, Brent Venables or is that a. It's, or, he said uh, he initially had it, the Clemson defensive coordinator. And so oh. Changed it to Brent Venables. I've got to that. It. Okay, that's you. Okay, uh, don't you think the shot of adrenaline he'd infused into this program would be just incredible? Taking immense pride within the fan base and immediate results in the recruiting game. Well, it's not about whether K State wants to hire him or not. It's about whether or not he wants to come. Right. I, 
If Brent Venables wants to come and there's no reason not to hire him, okay, I'll cover that in a second, then you hire him. There's no doubt. But you need to get to the bottom why he hasn't taken another head coaching job. Because there's been opportunities. There's been been plenty of jobs out there he would have been qualified for, but not only did he not pursue them, he's just never appeared on anyone's list. Just... You know, very rarely have you seen him pop up as a name, and he quickly last disappears. Year, last year was like the first year that you really saw his name pop up places. But he never interviews. He never. Yeah. The name pops up with with guys like me who says, "Here's a hot board." You know, just like uh, any coach that we have on there with no tie to K State, I might throw him on the list. Brian Walsh and I might put him on the list, and then uh, the guy's like, "I don't have any interest in that." <clears throat> So why is that? Does he not want to be a head coach? Is there something out there that is deterring ADs from hiring him? I, I, I don't know. I once knew a story that doesn't isn't relevant to this conversation at all anymore. So is there something else? I think it's entirely possible getting paid $2 million a year to be a defensive coordinator at a national powerhouse. He's fine. I wouldn't hate to go to Clemson right now. To make $2 million and not put up with the BS that you have to put up with as a head coach, he might be just fine sitting there in Clemson, and then maybe someday if Dabo steps aside, okay, I'll do it for a while. You know, I, there's that possibility. Now, I think he has some interest in coming home. I think this job might be different. I think you certainly pick up the phone, and you the first someone asks, where do you start? And I said, well, it starts with Brent Venables and Jim Levitt, and you may not move beyond there because they're both immensely qualified Guys who also happen to be on the Bill Snyder coaching tree. But, man, Brent Venables, if if you do your background check, everything looks good, and Brent Venables says, hell yes, I want to come home, you pay him and you bring him home, period. And I'm a, I'm a Levitt guy. And, but the reason why I'm a Levitt guy is I just don't think there's just something there that has prevented him from becoming a head coach, whether it's inside or outside. Um Brent Venables himself, and maybe it's just as simple, just as simple as the optimistic thought is he's been waiting for K State. I don't buy that, but maybe that is the truth. Last question of the second half is from KSU man: Will who will be the next coach at Kansas State? Uh, I don't know. Look, if I had to, if I was laying odds, let's do that. Let's let's do that. I'm just laying odds. I would say it will be Jim Lovett. Why? Because he would be. Snyder approved, a good hire, and honestly, you know, kind of a kind of safe. Safe bet. That's exactly right. Kind of safe. If you're Gene Taylor, you look at this like, no, I hired on the coaching tree. Do you want to be the guy that puts K State brings in the next Ron Prince? Yeah. Is this what Gene Taylor's going to be known for? Yeah. He's not going to be known for North Dakota State. He's not going to be known for anything. If he makes the wrong hire, if he brings in a guy uh, that absolutely flames out. And well, the way he interacts with the fan base uh, and donors and ex-players and all the things that Ron Prince did, boy. Gun to my head, I would say Jim Levitt because to me this feels this doesn't feel like the hire that's going to re put redirection, re reshape, redirect. What am I trying to say? Here? It's going to give K State a, a new, direction. new direction without. Totally rebuilding it. It'll be the bridge. That's what I'm yeah, it would be a great bridge uh, between the future and the past and not just totally redoing things. A few coaches would stay on probably. The few would kind of stay the same. You know, they wouldn't 
and and yet it would be much different. A lot of new blood would come in. And you talk about Brent Venables with energy. Um, Jim Levitt's right there. I mean, he's 61, going on 41, and absolutely amazing. And it's not uh, – I love Brent. I've known Brent a long time. But there's a lot of hyper there. There's a lot of bouncing off the walls. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of energy bouncing around there that may not be moving you in the right direction. Jim Levitt has some of that too, but uh, you just follow his tweets on the recruiting trail. He's he's laser focused on what he's doing as long as he's got a Pepsi. Will we have to change all of our sponsorship to Pepsi? But no, our sponsorship. No, absolutely not. Pepsi sucks. Oh, there goes Levitt. That's all Zach's fault. Damn it. And it's Levitt. Zach says Pepsi sucks and he pulls out. That's how it works. Just one little little thing. They they leave. That's it. We'll be back. Damn it, Zach. The gang will return with more of the Power Camp Podcast. I'm trying to get a group text in on what everybody wants on the liquor store run, but my phone keeps auto-correcting liquor store to the fridge. A fridge or the fridge? The fridge. It just did it again. Well, the fridge is more than just a liquor store. The fridge has over 3,000 wines in stock, the area's largest selection of spirits and craft beers, plus they're back-to-back winners of Beverage Dynamics Retailer of the Year. Oh, I get it. Wow. Smartphone. Autocorrect your next liquor store visit to the Fridge Wholesale Liquor, 1150 Westport in Manhattan, online at fridgeliquor.com. For more than 20 years, there's only been one reliable source for exclusive and unmatched premium K-State sports news content. It's GoPowerCat.com. The tradition continues as Tim Fitzgerald, D. Scott Fritchin, and the other GoPowerCat sports experts continue their relentless coverage of K-State sports. So make sure you're subscribing to the one and only GoPowerCat. Hey, K-State fans, it's time to come home to GoPowerCat.com. Back to Fitz on the Power Camp Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We have arrived at the overtime. I didn't think we were going to get here, guys. I wouldn't shut up. I wouldn't shut up. I got caffeine in me. I'm feeling good. Rested. Boom. The overtime is brought to you by the high-low. And, of course, our whole darn thing here is brought to you by the Fridge, who gets... Who supplies liquor for the high-low as well as Tanners and Wahoo. It's kind of a cool thing. I mean, they get their liquor from the fridge. Why wouldn't you get into the high-low, have a slice, have some pepperoni rolls, have a burger, man. Zach and I had burgers once. I heard solid, man. Uh, when, when was this? A day we didn't invite you. That, oh, wow. What's new? That day. Yeah, what? Well, it was like, I don't know. It was in the spring. Yeah, it was spring. It was a long time ago. Yeah, there we go. Uh, And uh, that's good advertising for us. (laughs) 
oh, that's how the fridge feels. Hey, uh, but get into the high-low, get into the fridge. Uh, I'm telling you, I, all all the companies associated with this podcast and our pregame podcast, Robbins Motor Company, just incredible people. Just That's who I want to do business with, and that's who you should do business with, too. Here is the overtime. It's going to get interesting. It's gonna, I'll explain after this. It's going to get vinegar-soaked. But here, let's get it going with this question. From Meow Power, for those of us that don't know, can you give us a brief history of Go Power Cat and how the company was started? Well, uh, oh, oh, there we go. Oh, uh, look, I I kind of wanted to. I did a business plan in like '92 to do a K-State Sports magazine with my friend Darren Newshafer, who is now a former sports writer and a very successful insurance agent in Salina and an all-around good dude. Um, <clears throat> But it just wasn't right. It was too early. It wasn't right. Uh, in 95, then I also looked at doing a, uh online recruiting service in about 93 called Recruiting Now uh, with my friend Bobby Burton, who was one of the – was the leading recruiting analyst out of Texas at the time and went on to be, you know, one of the early members, employees of Rivals.com and – and then helped Shannon Terry found uh, 24-7 Sports. Um, and now owns a delicious barbecue place in Nashville, by the way. Anyhow, uh, 95 rolled around that uh, the Wichita Eagle had started uh, Jayhawk Illustrated or Jayhawk something. I don't know what the magazine was. And they decided to start a Missouri magazine. I crap you not. A Missouri magazine at the Wichita Eagle because Dennis Dodd was – available to help them. He was a Missouri grad between jobs, so they hired Dennis to do that. And then they said, hey, maybe we should start a K-State one. And they offered the job to my friend Tom Perrin, who was uh, my sidekick at the Collegian. He was a sports editor. I was assistant sports editor, and then I was sports editor, and he was my assistant. Very good friend. He turned it down and said, I know the guy for you to call. And I was sports editor in Slotin. I had a good job. Really good job. And like I said earlier in the podcast, I was on a path that I was confident I was going to become a columnist somewhere. But there was always something about doing a magazine and doing something where I could laser focus in on one school. And what I'm saying here is I wasn't on deadline uh, typing in high school track or wrestling results, which you had to do back in the day. Phone call, someone read it to you, you typed it all in. Lovely. Um, So uh, I got the job offer from the Wichita Eagle. It was a Knight Ritter, Fortune 500 company. Great, great opportunity. Got to stay in Salina. My wife worked at the Journal, too, at the time. Um, it really worked out well. And for a year and a half, I wrote a, my first book on K-State sports. Things went really well. You know, I was that young guy with his hair on fire, basically Scott Jason now at yeah. Fox.net, uh, who wrote a ton and uh, just, you know, worked endlessly, um, which you can do when you're younger. And um, that lasted a year and a half before the Eagle said, got a new publisher and said, why are we publishing magazines and books, even though they were profitable and successful? So they sold it off to a guy in Kansas City who uh, thought he bought my soul along with uh, the company. And, uh, yeah, that's a whole other story. But it didn't take long after working for a small company or a smaller company that owned that this that I'm like, why am I working for a small company instead of owning my own small company? And and so I started my own thing. Um, and that was, uh, we started June 1st, 1998 was our launch date. My birthday's June 1st. It all worked out fine. 98 seemed like a good year to start something. Some stuff was going on with K-State football that seemed like good. 
Uh, and Powercat Illustrated absolutely took off like a rocket ship. And, I mean, it was unbelievable, the phones ringing. And we'll never forget it. And uh, in the fall of 98, Rivals.com launched, and they immediately approached me about starting Go Powercat. And the first version of what is now Go Powercat uh, started in December of 98. I waited till the end of the regular season. Boom, we started up, I think, our first name was Super K-State. It was Super K-State at some point. Yeah, they they... They did this weird thing where everything was like Super Georgia, Super Dude. It was weird. I did not work for a company called Super Casey. <clears throat> it was weird. Uh, they eventually let us change things, and I was looking for an action word to go with Power Cat. And, and now it's interpreted like we're rooting on Power Cat, but it was like we wanted, like, you know, it's Marco. Go. Go, <laughs> go, do, go do this. It's, it's a call to action. Yeah. Um, and originally, you know, colors are purple, and we had red in our logo, and people were like, why do you have red? And because uh, being a Vegas guy, I studied everything, and uh, purple is the invitation color of neon, and red is the action color of neon, and you'll see purple and red all over Vegas. Would it shock you if I told you I saw one of those pools with the red logo on They were cool. Purple and red are great colors together. They're really, they're really cool colors, and but they catch your eye, um, and that's really the whole idea there. But anyhow, uh, so yeah, um, when we did the magazine, the magazine got up to about six thousand subscribers. Our goal was ten. We, you know, I think if I did one thing wrong in my market research, I looked at, I looked at the fan base and how it was growing, and I overestimated it. Um, and I didn't realize at the time how few actual season ticket accounts there were for non-students. And so, you know, I think 6,000 was a really healthy number. Um, and then 2001 hit, and we lost 10% of that. And so it kind of just deteriorated from there down to about 2,000 last year or two years ago when we decided to shut it down. Uh, and so we went from being a magazine with a website to a website with a magazine to just a website, and here we are, year 21. Still alive, baby. Still alive. I think it's crazy that I've been here for a third of it. That is weird. Basically. That is weird. Outside of Fritchie, you're probably the longest-standing employee. Of all time? Ah, Wally. Wally. Mike. Wally's got you. Well, yeah. my wife, technically, but she I doesn't guess. do much anymore. I guess, yeah, Wally technically is still working for us. Yeah. But, I mean, just... Technically. technically. Well, I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. I mean, you just think about uh, how, how, how fortunate we've been in hiring. I mean, your position was Shane Howard... And then Ryan Wallace, yeah. and then Katie, and now you, even though Katie was no. just kind of a part-time. Zach. Yeah. Zach. Well, Katie. That was yeah. a strange year. That was strange. The whole thing was. Whole thing. Uh, it was but, like I got sent down to the minor leagues for a year. Huh? And now I'm back better than ever. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, Fritchen's been with me since almost day one. Not quite, but uh, he started as a student, and. It's been at my side ever since and uh, is invaluable. And then, but recruiting, you know, your dad, Brian Gates, did it for years and years and years. And then we transitioned into Ryan when, you know, video, he loves recruiting. And that's worked out really well. Um, and, and on the basketball side, when we added that position, it was Matt Hall. And he did a great job. And then we went to Rob Cassidy. And then we went to Brett Regan. Now it's you. I mean, what a, what a string of four. I mean, it's been amazing. So... The only thing I don't like about us right now, how we're set up, is that we don't have any students on board. Yeah, it's a little weird. Um, and we're just not set up for that right now. Um, because the other thing is now I've got some great guys that are former professional journalists 
and Michael Goins, my good, is a fraternity brother of mine, and we've known each other since college. And he, he went into sports writing also, and now he works for the chamber here, but is an amazing writer and does stuff for us. Amazing writer, and bless him. When, what I've given up this year really has just been some of my columns, which is unfortunate, but I know it's writing, but those can zap you. I mean, I just got to be careful with stuff, and Michael's picked up with more go-time stuff. He's gotten a little busy at work lately. But uh, And Josh Kinder, former sports editor of the Mercury. I mean, he's doing stuff for us. So maybe they've taken up some spots there. Um, you just don't hire people. I don't let people just hop on board to do stuff. I just don't. I don't care if you're a student, an intern, or whatever. I'm going to pay you money, and I have expectations for you. Uh, I need this from you, and then uh, if you stop getting it done, you're not going to work for me anymore. I'm just going to take you off the schedule. I'm not going to give you any assignments. I'm, I'm an easy boss to please. Just do your crap, man. Just get stuff done. I can always tell people there's only two types of employees, ones that make your life easier and ones that make your life harder. And you get rid of the ones that make your life harder. And, and we make his life harder in different ways. I don't care about that. I really don't care. And that's another thing. As, we actually get our crap done. I, yeah. I, I always fostered that that kind of a new wave creative environment. You know, we had a basketball goal up the old office. We had after hours at the old office. Get your stuff done. And let's. if you want to stick around and have fun, you know, if we had room for a ping pong table, we might have a ping pong table. You guys play Fortnite in your office? I don't care. You're getting your work done. We don't really need the office, per se, outside the podcast. We could all work at home if we want. Well, we could, but for me, it's about. Well, right, that's what I'm it's about. You don't really need a fraternity house to have a fraternity, but there's something about having yeah. having living together and working together, and having a central base and and something to call your own. Not many entities in our business have an office, and I understand why. It's it's it adds up. It's expensive. We'd be better off financially if we didn't. But this is important to me. It's important that we have this kind of place, and our new offices are badass. And now that our wonderful friends at Artcraft have moved out, it's all ours now, and we're going to paint and build an audio studio that's going to be sweet. We're going to name it the Zach Carlson Memorial Studio. Memorial? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that. why is it in a video studio? <laughs> yeah, audio video. Zach, that's all my conversations. What can we do video with this? We, uh, we're going to do it podcast we're gonna talk about the <laughs> memorial part later zach but you're gonna give all okay next question we gotta go Folks, we okay. didn't have that many overtime questions from that many different posters so i did something that i've wanted to do for a while now ladies and gentlemen welcome to the i like pickles overtime segment and this segment is brought to you by the fridge the high low and Clausen. <laughs> Clausen pickles. They're the best. They keep them in the refrigerator section for a reason. Eat Clausen pickles. As he likes to say, I'm, I like pickles, cat, and put little pickles in your mouth. Here we go. What? What did I say something wrong? I said, uh, 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 not as bad as Riley saying that we make his life, fits his life harder in other ways, but. <laughs> well. But you switched to Fortnite really quickly so we couldn't chime in there. Here we go. Uh, he asks, what, is, what was your first car? 2003 Oldsmobile Alero Red. 2001 Nice, uh, no, excuse me, 2001 Honda Accord. Wow. Yeah. Wow, and then you moved up to Nissan Altima. Yeah, 2006 Nissan Altima now. You know, the pillages of youth when you don't realize what you have and how awesome it is. A 1976 Camaro. That's... And it was, it was amazing. 
and it's a vintage vehicle now. But I know, I know. But it got horrible, horrible gas mileage, particularly because I drove it incredibly fast. Um, but it was rear, rear wheel drive, and the winter in Kansas does not work. It was a you learn to drive in the snow. Let's put it that way, because every time you touch that accelerator and that engine took off, you went fishtailing. So, but anyhow, it was gold. It was badass. We sold it to someone that appreciated it, fixed it up. I don't know where it's at now, but um, yeah, it's it was good. It was sweet. Malera was one of those cars that you look at on the lot. It's your first car, so you're like, oh, my God, it's the greatest car ever. There's nothing wrong with it. After about two weeks, you kind of start to realize, oh, that's wrong with it. This is wrong with mm-hmm. it. And then a hailstorm and bullet knocked out the back windshield, broke a couple other windows, and it was totaled. Well, the good for the hailstorm. Thank God. You know, uh, the, those feelings you expressed about your, your car is exactly how my wife feels about me. A couple weeks in, she's like, oh, this is this is what I thought I'd be. Next question is, what is your opinion of candy corn? It's garbage. I don't mind it. I, I, do I want, do I buy candy corn? No. If candy corn's in there, I might have a few. That's my thing. Will, would I eat two or three? Yeah. Will I eat a bag of it? Absolutely not. But no. I, always, I always bite off the yellow end first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I bite. Yeah, you got to bite it down. Yeah. I guess the, what I'm saying is it's garbage compared to other Halloween candy. Oh, no doubt. Did you see the meme on Did you see the meme on Facebook? Did you realize that if you stack them in a circle, yeah. it's a ear of corn? I guess what I'm trying to understand about that is did, did what? people honestly not yeah. understand that? No, I never knew that. I'm not trying to act like I'm smart, but I've always looked at a piece of candy corn like, oh, it's a it's a kernel of corn. Well, I've known that, but if you stack them up and cuz the shape of them the triangle it forms a circle it's a it stacking them up forms a corn, a corn. corn. yeah that's what I'm okay well, see when i eat them it's always with peanuts and m&ms we'll make like a trail mix thing with yeah, candy corn. it's, it's, it's pretty good bag of those chocolate you know the mini like the hershey's the three musketeers etc in a bag those mixed ones you can buy at walmart and you got a bowl of candy corn nobody's touching that candy is the bowl of candy corn unwrapped absolutely and the candy bars are wrapped yes People are touching that candy corn. No. Method of least resistance. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I'm not saying that the candy bars aren't going to get eaten, but the candy corn's going to get eaten. Think about a bowl of Skittles. A bowl of Skittles versus uh, a bowl full of wrapped that's chocolate good. bars. It's not yeah, different. Skittles aren't garbage. By the way, that's a good Twitter handle, bowl of Skittles. That'd be a good identity. Right, there's a nice Anon member on our site that needs a new name. Bowl of Skittles. Yeah, if you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> and you hop have... on a Wabash and you need a name, Bowl of Skittles. Bowl of there Skittles is up. <laughs> That's next. That's how I like Pickles Cat got his name. Bowl of Skittles is the hot name right now for a user on the website. $50. Free. First post. Um, next question is, what is your favorite Halloween costume? I assume that's what you've worn. The naughty sports writer? Or favorite? That's just your favorite in general. In general? That's how, because I think there's a later question that I ask. Like, what's the, I think the last question asked. Will you be dressed up for Halloween? Okay, sorry. So we can do both. Favorite or favorite you've ever worn? Uh, I'm I'm not a Halloween guy. I never have been. Really? I've always, I mean, I'll. I've always appreciated costumes. Look, I went. I went to a party this week or over the weekend, Saturday night after the game, since I didn't travel. It was a Game of Thrones Halloween party, so I went as Lord Varys, and I looked a little bit too much like him. 
It was a little creepy. My wife made me a great outfit, and I shaved my head. I was pretty itchy. Uh, I think uh, back in the day when I was helping judge Tubby's costume contest, my favorite was uh, guys now become a friend. Adam Miller came as the old Spice guy that you know the original one that showered the black dude the shower, and he came and he was just wearing shorts, but he had the shower curtain round thing and the the sprinkler the shower head above him. It was amazing. He won the contest, hands down. Every year I was the judge, uh, none of the naughty anything ever won. Like, guys always won. I'm like, how is this working out this way? I've never had a costume that I've liked or, like, been like, this yeah. is the greatest thing I've ever worn. Like, yeah. The thing I've been most blown away by was um, one of my family friends, like, their mom would always go all out on how many costumes. One year, one of the kids was, a, was like, the... Uh, the, the evil scientist with the head in the jar or whatever like mm-hmm. that. And so he was holding his own head the way that the costume was structured. He like put his head through something and it looked like he was holding his own head, didn't have a head. So that was really cool. Best one I ever did in terms of execution of the costume, not in terms of the what the costume was. Strap yourselves in, folks. Ron Prince. Lovely. Lovely. I have so many questions that I'm not going to ask. Khaki pants, K-State polo. I had my Xbox headset, so that was my coaching headset. And then I took coffee grounds. Oh, no. No, no, no. Oh, no. The goatee. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I thought we were going full Megan Kelly. Oh, no. I took coffee grounds and put them around my mouth as the goatee. And then I found this, um, like it's like a skull cap that had a green mohawk on it, and I cut the mohawk off, and then I just put the skull cap on. So it's bald. Nice. Okay. Come on, man. If I was going to do that, I wouldn't do coffee grounds. Come on now. Uh, my wife right now, just the the admin staff, the, the leadership staff at Medlark Hills is dressed up as a character from Toy Story, and she's currently Jessie, and I'm telling you, well, folks, it's amazing. It's amazing. Homemade outfit. Bam. I'm just not a Halloween guy, but that's why I go with the naughty sports writer, because this is it. I'm naughty as hell. If I had to go with something today, this year, I would have done David S. Pumpkins. Oh, David Pumpkins. But... To make that funny, you need the two skeletons with you, so you need a crew. I don't think I have enough people. Yeah. That's that's what I I really appreciate when people go out as 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 groups as something. Yeah. I I think that's incredible. I remember from like the chive like six or seven years ago, whenever they had that Chilean miners that got stuck, people went as like the group of Chilean miners. Oh, no. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, okay, next question. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, or this is, would you ever consider doing the podcast on Facebook Live or YouTube? Yeah, we've talked about it. Yeah. I think we'll get there eventually. The studio is part of that. I don't yeah. know. Probably this one. I mean, the the pregame podcast is produced. I mean, it's there's a lot to be said about editing, making sure it's a good quality product rather than just yeah. I, there's more polish that it would take. Yeah, it would take more effort. Uh, well, here's the problem with it. I think when you're new at podcasting, uh, you make mistakes, you misspeak, you say stuff. You you know, it's dangerous. 
Um, and we, you know, you guys have been now doing this a couple of years, so it's not quite the same. But so anytime you introduce someone new to it, it you're playing with fire. Um, and if and in this form, if someone drops the mother effer bomb, you can just go edit it out. When I say someone, it's probably me. Um, but you don't have to. I mean, it's a podcast, but we try to keep things family friendly. So I think we'll get there. I think we will. I've been looking at different things, but again, it gets to more of the technology. And I'm, I'm not one just to set up a phone camera and call it good. Next question is, does it seem to you that every team not named Alabama got worse this year? Yeah, absolutely. No, UCF is on a 20-game winning streak. None of their opponents are better than 500. Did UCF get worse? Did they get worse? I don't know. I I think so, too. Yeah, but you can't tell. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. That's weird. Alabama's just so much better. Alabama got better and the other teams got worse is what I think. Clemson is not better. They're like the Golden State Crimson Tide. Uh, What was your first job? That's an interesting question. I mowed lawns, and I got paid for mowing lawns, paid for mowing the cemetery. So I guess you could consider it a job because it made a good amount of money. But my first, like, job working for a business or company was a a greenskeeper at the Bull Country Club. I put charts away at my dad's dental office in high school for six fifty-five an hour. Nice. Was that even minimum wage? It was. And then... It went up one day, and they didn't change the pay. And I told my dad, I'm like, hey, you're still paying me at the old federal rate. You got to bump that up. So I got, like, a ton of back pay, which was, like, what, $20 or something. Yeah, baby, you went out and bought some candy corn. Um, my first job was I was uh, I worked street corner as a drug dealer in Salina, Kansas, the, the mean streets of Salina. Uh, I mean, let's be real. Uh, I was in a gang. Hey, my first job. Were you I, a greaser? I was. Uh, I don't know what that means. I'm sorry. I was trying to be cool. Now I don't know what that means. Outsiders. I, I don't okay. remember that. It's right. going too far back. Okay. Uh, I was an umpire. I umpired softball for many years, and was then I just got tired of it. That was my second job. I'm wrong. I worked on a farm. You worked on a farm. Yeah, you did. I remember that. <laughs> I, was, I was a farmer. You were driving things at age 14 or something, weren't you? I drove a uh, John Deere 9650, 9650 combine with a 30-foot Mack Dawn header. How old were you? Would have been going into my freshman year of high school, so to 2011, which means I was 15. A lot of responsibility. Next question. Last question of the podcast. You can tell a lot about a man by his shoes. What do your shoes say about you? My shoes say that I am very easygoing and basic. These are gray with a light gray. When I look for my shoes, I don't look for these loud, tons of colors, uh, new shoes. I like a good quality Nike tennis shoe that looks pretty normal and I can wear with anything. Same. I was walking around in the mall over last weekend in San Antonio before my flight, and I was going to shoe stores, and I was like, you know, there's nothing really here that I want to buy. And I'm like, you know what I want to make? A store called Shoes for White People, and it's just gray and white Nikes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, shoes shoes are a little bit That are reasonably priced at between $60 and $90. Just 
any Nike shoe that falls between that point and is gray, white, maybe black, but mostly gray. Shoes for white people. I have the flashiest shoes in here, actually. They, too, are Nikes. They're black with blue swooshes, and I like them a lot. And I bought them. Uh, I crap you not. This is weird. Immediately after deciding to leave Rivals, which at the time was an Under Armour company, and so we had to wear Under Armour stuff. We couldn't. They didn't want us wearing anything Nike-related on the job, particularly to recruiting events, but in general on the jobs. And and I my Under Armour shoes are, are comfortable, but I'm a Nike guy. Twelve and a half fit me perfectly, perfectly. Every shoe ever bought Nike perfectly. And I also discovered that wearing black shoes really are slimming for your feet. Huh. I look like I have very svelte feet. Do they make you look slower on film? I look slower on film. I look slow if you speed film up. Wow. I'm very happy you left right. Actually, technically we didn't. We were still there when they switched to Adidas. Yeah. We just we just didn't go to a camp because there wasn't one nearby. I'm very happy we didn't have Adidas here. I hate Adidas. <laughs> I hate Adidas. I'm sorry. I would have Yeezys. If we had to wear Adidas, I'd probably get some Yeezys. Hmm. I don't know what that means. I feel old. Wow. Okay, it's a podcast. Thanks, Fridge. I'll be in someday to buy some cognac or something old people drink. Powercat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.